Horn interrupts virtual hearing for suspected Twitter hacker. Why CISO should err on the side of caution when it comes to implementing flat networks. And Black Hat Conference research uncovers Windows print spooler vulnerabilities. These stories and more in this week's ISMG's Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. News this week that attendees of a virtual bail hearing for the suspected Twitter teenage hacker got more than they bargained for after their video call was hijacked. Here's ISMG's Managing Editor of Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, for more on the story. The teenager accused of hacking Twitter had a bail hearing on Wednesday in Florida. Chaos ensued when miscreants interrupted the Zoom hearing, hijacking the feed with screams, chatter, and for a few brief seconds, pornography. Graham Ivan Clark is facing 30 felony charges for a breathtaking takeover of dozens of high-profile Twitter accounts in mid-July. The 17-year-old appeared before the criminal court in Hillsborough County in Tampa via Zoom because of ongoing pandemic restrictions, but the court forgot to password protect the meeting. Allison Nixon is chief research officer for the New York-based cybersecurity consultancy Unit 221B. She was one of many in the security community who watched the hearing, and her company has been involved in investigating the Twitter attacks. She says court systems need tech-savvy staff to secure these kinds of proceedings, particularly involving defendants like Clark who are accused of internet-related crime. She tells me that Clark's social circle sits at an intersection between cybercrime and gang activity, and when certain names joined the Zoom chat, it was clear something was going to go down. Clark is believed to have used social engineering to gain authentication credentials for an internal Twitter administration panel and control accounts. He has pleaded not guilty to all 30 charges. The Zoom details were contained in public documents, which meant that anyone with those details could join the hearing. The first disruptions occurred about 14 minutes into the hearing and continued intermittently. At one point, Clark's attorney, David T. Weisbrod, was suddenly interrupted by a British accent with the screen name Zachariah Zed. That person played a recording that has been making the rounds on social media. Here's an excerpt, and you'll hear Judge Christopher C. Nash's voice at the end. I want to know like, what your price is saying because I'm trying to blame a zoo up with my boy Damon Gowden, G. Like, you feel me? So get back to me because I know like, we're the top dog around here. Sorry, I'm, I'm removing people as quickly as I can whenever uh, a disruption happens, Mr. Weisbrod. The mistake made by the court should be all too obvious five months after pandemic lockdowns prompted a surge in video calls. Zoom became very popular, and soon a new term entered the technology lexicon, Zoom bombing, when uninvited people have the right meeting details and crash a meeting. Part of the success of these kinds of attacks initially was due to the unfamiliarity by some Zoom users of the controls in place to stop intruders. As a result, Zoom turned on some security features by default, including password-protecting meetings and a waiting room where a host can vet participants before they join a call. Clark's future hearing should be tame. The Tampa Bay Times reports that Judge Nash says the next hearing, which is scheduled for October, will be password-protected. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Now, flat networks might be a good way to reduce costs, maintenance, and administration, but are they the most secure option? Well, Peter Yap, a partner at UK-based law firm Shillings and former deputy director of the UK's National Cybersecurity Centre, seems to think not. Here he is speaking to me earlier in the week on why CISOs should err on the side of caution 
when it comes to implementing flat networks. One of the areas that I picked up from my time at NCSC is flat networks. Once an attacker has got into a network, the flatter the network, the easier it is to traverse around the world and get into lots of, lots of other systems. Now, flat networks came in to save money, basically. So less, less maintenance and admin, less routers and switcher, switches. And you can see a CIO with a kind of business imperative of keeping the costs down, saying, this is a great solution to save money. Security should have been a separate voice in that conversation. They should have been saying, actually, for the business as a whole, is a flat network the best option going forward? What happens if we are breached? What happens to our reputation? And and then what is the value of the business? So I think there's a a real question for some quite large organisations about how much they should segregate their, their networks. Are they segregated enough? Could they stop an attacker just going through the entire worldwide business? And I think they should be able to. Security infrastructure is, is so important. And that might be at the most difficult end of all the things I've talked about and, and the most expensive. But I think absolutely it should be a consideration. It should be a business consideration, not in terms of let's go for the lowest cost network, but let's go for the balance between security, potential reputation risk in terms of cost. And finally, researchers presenting at this year's virtual Black Hat conference unveil some vulnerabilities discovered in the Windows print spooler, which was the third disclosed Stuxnet vulnerability and was thought to be patched. Once again, here's ISMG's Managing Editor of Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk. Pele Kadar is a senior security researcher with the vendor SafeBreach. He went hunting for a bug in Windows. He wasn't sure what he was going to find, but he knew where he wanted to look the print spooler service. The print spooler is an executable file that acts as a conductor when someone is trying to print. It finds and loads the right driver and schedules the print job. It's been around for decades and its code base has grown as it has grown long in the tooth, which Hadar said it made it an interesting target. I was just looking of different mechanisms and uh, I've seen that, you know, once you send the print job, a lot of things happen. So I started to go even deeper. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I just love to, to look up something and understand how it works. Hadar and his colleague Tomer Barr sought to see if there were unknown vulnerabilities still lurking in the print spooler service. Sure enough, there were. And the vulnerabilities uncannily relate to issues uncovered in the course of investigating one of the most clever and sophisticated pieces of malware ever, Stuxnet. Hadar and Tomer presented their research on Thursday at the Black Hat Security Conference, which is all virtual this year due to the pandemic. Stuxnet represented an unheralded effort by the U.S. and Israel to delay Iran's development of a nuclear weapon. Stuxnet's ultimate goal was to sneak its way into air-gapped Siemens refinement equipment and meddle with their programmable logic controllers. The malicious code then caused centrifuges to spin out of control despite reporting that nothing was awry. But Stuxnet had to get to the programmable logic controllers first, an infiltration act that ended up using four different zero-day vulnerabilities in Windows, including one involving the print spool service. That print spool vulnerability was eventually fixed by Microsoft, but 10 years on, Hadar and Barr found the patch had problems. They found a new vulnerability that could allow an attacker to create a denial of service condition that would crash the principal service. 
Digging deeper, they also found a second issue that would allow an attacker to exploit the principal mechanism for privilege escalation. That could allow an attacker to install new programs or create accounts. Microsoft has now patched that. Hadar again. The vulnerability that we found is logic, which means that you can exploit it by using multiple lines of uh, PowerShell code or, I don't know, C code, but mm -hmm. not more than 10 lines. So I think that it's very easy to exploit and it makes it more risky. At Black Hat, Hadar and Tomer showed two proof-of-concepts attacks written in Python. There's also another surprise in their presentation, Hadar says, but as I spoke to him ahead of his presentation, he couldn't say more. Stepping back from the principaler issues, Hadar says SafeBreach will also release a kernel mode driver that demonstrates how it may be possible to mitigate a common type of bug class, arbitrary file write vulnerabilities that allow attackers to gain privilege escalation. The driver will be released on SafeHub's GitHub page. Hadar cautioned that it's not production code, but he says it's hoped that it may stimulate researchers as well as Microsoft for ideas on how to stop the whole bug class. Peleg Hadar again. I don't want to say that it will kill all of the vulnerabilities, but we do think it will, you know, it will kill uh, multiple ones. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Thank you.